Hi, I'm Mel Majoros. I am a two-year cancer survivor. My blog, The Cancer Warrior, is one of the top ten breast cancer blogs according to blogs.com. I'm here to bring a fresh, upbeat perspective to a topic that to some may seem scary. A positive mental attitude got me through my cancer, and I hope to share that with you. Today we're talking thyroid cancer with two-year thyroid cancer survivor, Joanna Isbell. How are you today, Joanna? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. So I know a lot of people who have cancer have gotten uh, autoimmune diseases like um, hypothyroidism, like I have, and hyperthyroidism, but I haven't actually had a thyroid cancer survivor on the show yet. So explain to me like how you found out, and I know it's called papillary thyroid cancer, and I don't know what that means. So maybe you can educate our listeners and myself. Yeah, absolutely. So one morning I woke up and my neck was hurting. And at first I thought, you know, okay, I just kind of slept wrong mm-hmm. and I have a, you know, I pulled a muscle or something, but I, I felt my neck and I felt this huge knot um, at the base of my neck and I Ooh. knew it had to be on my thyroid because I somehow, I just, I don't even know how I knew what the thyroid was or <laughs> where it was because that's not really something you learn about in biology class. I know, that's crazy that you knew where it was. I know, um, but but I did, and I had a, a gut feeling that it was cancer. Really? It was just one of those things. Um, and every after that, everything moved really fast. I was fortunate to get into my doctor the next day, and he got me, you know, blood work and an ultrasound immediately. Mm-hmm. And at first, everything pointed to Hashimoto's thyroiditis, right. which is the autoimmune thyroid disease. But uh, my primary care physician went ahead and referred me to an endocrinologist, mm-hmm. and he scheduled me for an ultrasound and a biopsy, even though he thought that this was probably also Hashimoto's. So explain what soon- Hashimoto's is to people who don't know. Sure. sure. It's an autoimmune thyroid disease. So basically, your body attacks your thyroid, and mm-hmm. usually it causes hypothyroidism, but sometimes people do swing between hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism. So, but eventually with Hashimoto's, if you, if you don't take some kind of thyroid hormone replacement, you know, your body's going to kill off your thyroid. Oh, awesome. So, so that <laughs> sounds super festive, I know. I know, I have so, that, so yes. Yeah, so you know that it's super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's originally what the my primary care physician and my endocrinologist thought was going on. But uh, when I went to have the biopsy, as soon as they put the ultrasound wand on my neck, they knew that it was um, not normal. And, you know, I could hear my endocrinologist talking with another endocrinologist in the practice about what they saw on the scan. And I knew it wasn't going to be good. Um, were they talking and, in like hushed tones or like, oh. Yeah, out in the hall. They Great. were talking in hushed tones. I was like, hello, I can hear you. At least, <laughs> yeah. you know, walk a little further away. Um, and then it was less than a week and I was I got a call from his office about the biopsy results. And they said, your doctor needs you to come in tomorrow <sighs> as soon as possible to get the results. And nobody calls you in as soon as possible to tell you that it's benign. Yeah. You know. Or, tell, or hey, we have some extra cookies here for the Girl Scout cookie bake sale or anything. Yeah, nothing good. Right, right. So 
I mean, as soon as I got that phone call, I knew that for sure that it was cancer. Oh, yes. I had the same and same exact thing happen to me. Mm-hmm. Did you? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. you just can't describe the feeling that you get after receiving that phone call. I'm surprised um, they made you wait because my doctor was like, uh, we have your results. How soon can you get here? And by that point, you're just like, you know. Well, he would have seen me that day, but I was out of out of the state. Oh, okay. Um, so my doctor was in Georgia, and I was going to school in South Carolina. Okay. So, and he, and he knew that. So he knew that it would have to be the next day because I, I couldn't get there that day. Okay. So that's why it was the next day. Um, but it was. It felt like a week. Oh, I'm sure. Before I could get there, and um, so I went to see him, and he told me it was papillary thyroid cancer, which is one of the more common types of thyroid cancer um and well what does that what does that mean it it it, it has to do with the cells in which the cancer originates i see um and it's typically one of the slower growing thyroid cancers and it has a really high survival rate you know so that's a reassuring thing, but it doesn't necessarily make it easier no. as a newly diagnosed cancer patient. Um, so that that's how I was diagnosed. Um, and shortly after that, I had my thyroid removed. Do they have stages and, for thyroid cancer? Do they what? Do they have stages? Yes. Um, so so it, I was probably considered a stage one okay. simply because of my age. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had spread to several lymph nodes in my neck, but it had not metastasized further than that. So after the surgery, I had um, radiation, mm-hmm. it, but it's not like the typical external beam radiation that a lot, that most cancer patients receive. It was radioactive iodine. Oh. And so that's radiation in a pill form. So before I could take that, I had to go on a low iodine diet, which is a lot harder than it sounds. Iodine is in so many different kinds of foods. So I had to starve my body of iodine because thyroid tissue is the main tissue, pretty much the only tissue that takes up iodine in your body. So I starved my body of iodine, and then I took this pill. It's uh, basically an iodine pill that has radiation attached to it. Well, what what couldn't you eat, though? um, Dairy. I couldn't have dairy. I couldn't have any kinds of processed foods um, because... Because I just didn't know, you know, right. there's no way to be sure what they put in there. So what, um, what did you eat then? And, well, I made like bread. I made it myself. Um, fresh fruits and fresh vegetables I could have. Um, there are some kinds of rices I could have. There there was um, a cookbook that I found online that was a lifesaver because it was compiled by other thyroid cancer patients who had been through the diet before. Oh, okay. And so th- there were great recipes in there, um, you know, and great tips on what I could eat. But everything had to be fresh. Nothing could have any salt in it because even though um, 
like salt that's in processed foods isn't supposed to be iodized, you know, there's no way I could be sure. And I want to, you know, it's better to be safe than sorry. Oh, exactly. When you're talking about cancer treatment. So, so everything was fresh and that's a hard diet to follow and an expensive diet to follow. Oh, I'm sure. So all of a sudden you're kind of like a vegetarian. Well, I could have small amounts of meat, but it had to be fresh meat, like from you know a Whole Foods type grocery store, mm-hmm. because a lot of if you buy it frozen, if you buy like chicken breast frozen in the grocery store, it will have been injected oh. with water and gravy, some kind of gravy type mixture that has salt in it. So, and I couldn't have that. That's kind of nasty if you think about it. It really is. It's gross. Um, so, but I was able to, I was able to get totally fresh meat from Whole Foods, but oh, you know, like I said, it's expensive. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So you, you were taking the, uh, sorry to interrupt. I was just wondering what your diet was. Cause I could just imagine you just eating rice and bread and losing a lot of weight. Well, I didn't lose too much weight. A lot of patients actually do lose weight a lot of weight on that diet because they don't know what to eat. Um, But I don't, I don't think I lost a lot. It's hard. It's hard for me to remember. It was such a blur. Right. Um, But I think I was able to find enough to eat that I was able to sustain my weight pretty well through that period. But it, it definitely wasn't easy. So how long did you have to take that iodine pill? It was a one time thing. Um, So it's not like with the external radiation where you go X number of times a week for several weeks in a row. Um, You just go and take it once and let it absorb in your body and then you go back and have a scan um, to see where it went in your body. So if if you light up on the scan, you know, in your bones or your lungs, they know that that's metastasized thyroid cancer. Okay. I only had uptake in my neck, so they knew that it hadn't gone anywhere besides my neck. Um, But I actually did, a year later, I did have to take the pill again because it still hadn't completely been killed off. It wasn't completely effective the first time. So, and it wasn't completely effective the second time, so I'll probably have to do it again in a few months. So does that mean you didn't, you're not completely in remission, as they call it, even though, I mean... Right, absolutely. So, yeah, until I have a completely clean scan, my doctor won't say that I'm cancer-free or there's no evidence of disease, you know, whatever the technical terminology is. So So how does that, I mean, how does that affect you? Because, I mean, you're pretty young, you're 24 when you're diagnosed and now you're 26. I mean, going to the doctor must be just kind of nerve-wracking for you. Right. It is. And it's a really hard thing to adjust to living with cancer. I think Mm -hmm. that's, you know, just as hard, if not harder, uh, than dealing with the physical aspect of it, you know, the treatment and the surgery and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But trying to figure out how to actually live with thyroid cancer is a hard thing um, because in the back of my mind, I always know that it's there, and it's always something that I think about. Now you don't have so, you don't have chemo for this. No, um, I don't. Some patients do if mm-hmm. 
if it proves to be resistant to the radioactive iodine. And in some cases, it does. Okay. Um, so I, I do know a few people who have had chemo for it. Um, it it's not typically um, very responsive to the chemos that are currently used. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, experimental uh, treatments beyond the radioactive iodine. So it, it's something that we definitely need more research on because there's just not something that's really effective for it beyond the radioactive iodine. Right. So what do you deal with as far as like survivorship after the radioactive iodine and going to the doctor? I mean, what are some of your things? Because I know survivorship for me was harder than the actual treatment. Just yeah. Like you said, dealing with thyroid cancer that you know may keep recurring. I mean, you know, luckily I'm three years out cancer-free, but I still, you know, we all have that what they call scanxiety and you know, just living with cancer even when it's gone. Right. And that's it's definitely the hardest part for me, I think. Um, but I just had to figure out a way to get plugged in with other survivors mm-hmm. um, because that, that's what has helped me the most because, you know, my my friends have been great throughout this, but they didn't understand what I was going through, and it was really hard for them to relate to me. Right. Um, so I got plugged in online. Um, I think the first place I got plugged into was with Beer Thyroid, and mm-hmm. it was great to be able to connect with other people who were dealing with the same issues that I was. And uh, well, what's what I, were some of the same issues that that uh, some of your fellow thyroid cancer survivors have? Sure. So in addition to some of the physical issues, which would be like fatigue. The fatigue is horrible. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. And uh, the brain fog, which we call that side dementia a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. The memory issues, all those physical things, you know, I could identify with all these other survivors. But then also the social issues. You know, how do you fit back in to you know, your previous lifestyle, because everything has changed. Um, And you know that as well as I do. So I was able to find other people who, although they didn't exactly have answers as to how to, you know, fit back into that same lifestyle, they were going through it at the same time that I was. And that was just comforting, you know, that I could, I now had somewhere online where I could go and bounce ideas off of other people and they would get where I was coming from. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best part about Facebook and Twitter and Dear Thyroid and other organizations. I mean, when I was going through treatment, I didn't know about Facebook and I think my uh, survivorship and everything would have been a whole lot different because I had a really hard time. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, all those social media outlets Mm -hmm. have definitely been a lifesaver for me. I don't know what... I would have done. Well, I, I agree because, because uh, like, for example, I mean, I battle with depression and, and it's, you know, if I had somebody to say, you know, it's like we all feel this way because, as you know, as a cancer survivor, you always feel like, well, no one else in the world feels like this. And, you know, that's not the case. Right. And depression is something that I've dealt with, too. Um, and it was actually before I got plugged in to these online communities that I was diagnosed with the depression. Mm-hmm. And 
I went to my doctor and I told him how I'd been feeling and that I thought I was depressed. And he told me, he's like, well, absolutely you are. You're dealing with cancer and what you're dealing with was normal. And so once he started helping me and helped me to see that what I was dealing with was absolutely normal, Mm -hmm. um, I was, I was able to kind of turn the corner with this whole survivorship thing and um, realized that I felt like I was alone sometimes, but I wasn't. Right. Did he? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was wondering if he, um, if you talked to a therapist or if you, if you took medication or what did you do to deal with your depression? I didn't talk to a therapist. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did. He did prescribe me an antidepressant. And it wasn't something that where I noticed a big change overnight. It was really gradual, mm-hmm. but it definitely helped me. That's good. Yeah, that's why I recommend to people if they think they need it to t- definitely talk to their doctors. Because for me, it was a lifesaver. And you, right. And I don't know how long you waited, but I, I thought I was stronger than that. And I think I waited like six months to a year. And then after I finally asked my doctor for help, it was like... You know, why the hell did I wait so long? Right. I waited, I can't remember how long. It was several months. And the reason I waited so long is because I didn't see it. My family did. And my mom actually told me that she thought I was depressed. And I I told her, I said, no, no, no. It's just that my thyroid medication isn't regulated. And that's a tricky thing because, you know, depression is one of the symptoms of of hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. So it was tricky, um, but it took me several months to see it that, okay, I've changed my thyroid medication. I've changed the dosage several times, and I still don't feel any better. And once I saw it, um, you know, I went right to the doctor that day. Once I realized it, I went straight to the doctor and... And he, you know, he gave me the antidepressant and mm-hmm. a couple months later, I, I really realized how depressed I had been. You know, <laughs> I know. Isn't once, it crazy? Yeah. Once you come out of it, you can see how deep you really were. Mm-hmm. I know. And, and I'm a huge proponent of uh, talking to your doctor and getting antidepressants if, you know, they approve of it. I mean, I'm not saying right. they're for everyone. It's not for everyone. Um, in my case and in yours, mm-hmm. uh, after talking to my doctor, we decided that that was the best thing for me. Right. And some people get their, uh, I don't want to say therapy, but therapeutic aspects through social media. And some people go to therapists and I just, I don't know, I just can't sit in a room and, you know, tell me about your mother, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm not, right. and, it's easier for me to write. do both. Right. It's easier for me. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say you have to find what's best for you exactly. because each patient is different. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to find your outlet. That's another thing mm-hmm. I I tell people. You got to find. I I don't, don't want to say find your bliss, but find a way to you know if it's a hobby that'll get your mind off of it. Or you know I I blog, you blog. Um, some people take pictures or cook or you know something. That'll take your mind off it if it helps you. Right. I think that's really important um, because, you know, the the medication is not my outlet. Right. Um, it certainly it it's, plays a huge role in my mental health, mm-hmm. but I do have to have that outlet, too. Oh, well, yes, of course. 
So now getting back to uh, blogging, we were talking about Dear Thyroid. Yeah, so that is the um, community that I first really got plugged into after my cancer diagnosis. And Dear Thyroid was founded by Katie Schwartz. She is um, a Graves' disease patient, which is another kind of autoimmune thyroid disease. Um, And basically how it got started is you write letters to your thyroid. And that is really different than a lot of online support communities. And I was really able to connect with that because it gave me a chance to speak to my disease instead of about it. Um, And so I wrote a letter addressed Mm -hmm. to my thyroid cancer, and it was really therapeutic for me to be able to talk right to it instead of talking to someone about it. And so that's how I first got started with Dear Thyroid. And then about a year ago, I started writing a recurring column called Mm -hmm. Life Redefined. And um, it's published twice a month. And I just write about my experience with cancer, you know, the different kinds of things that I deal with, Um, all those different survivorship issues. Um, and, And that's been just as therapeutic for me. Now, do you find since you're, um, well, you're, you're two years out and I'm three years out, do you find that survivorship as far as in the medical community is getting better, I want to say, noticed and, and more aware and they're, they're helping people more? Because when I was uh, done with my treatment, it wasn't, it wasn't like they just kind of booted you out the door, but there wasn't really any kind of survivorship model. For them to go I, on. I haven't received any kind of survivorship support from the medical community. So, you know, my my doctor, I love him to death. He is a great doctor, but there's just not a program that he has sent me to to say, here's where you can go to get mm-hmm. that survivorship support. And it, I haven't seen any information like that in my hospital either where I've gone for my treatments. So I sounds like I was kind of in the same boat as you. Mm-hmm. I had to find it on my own. Well, that's why we're here to change that. Cause I think that's, I, th- I think the, fi- the medical community is finally jumping on board and saying, Oh, we need to take care of the people after treatment because, you know, I think that's just as important as during treatment. I think it is too. Um, And so many cancer survivors have such a hard time transitioning Mm -hmm. from after, from post-treatment back into life. Right. And it's really hard to figure out how to do that without any help. And I think it's super important for the medical community to realize that and to start providing some kind of information to their patients, at least, you know, just providing information on where to go right well yeah i mean we all know like live strong and the american cancer society and you know groups like that and you said you're involved with uh, another group besides dear thyroid yes um with i'm involved with cancer connect um and i actually um i moderate this thyroid cancer community um on cancerconnect.com and that's a great site 
it's got forums for all different kinds of cancers. Mm-hmm. It's got forums for insurance issues. It's got forums for survivorship oh, issues. Um, so, so whatever you're dealing with, there's pretty much a community on there for you. And, you know, you can just join as many communities as you want, ask questions, share resources, um, and support each other. So that's kind of through Dear Thyroid that I'm also involved with that. And I think it's a, a great resource. Now, and I like to share it with other survivors. Now, how did you actually get involved with them? Did they contact you? They contacted Katie, I think. I think Katie and someone with Cancer Connect, um, they connected, and uh, I got involved that way. Katie passed my information along, and that's how I got plugged in with them. Oh, so you're like the thyroid cancer rock star, just like Katie. (laughs) I guess so. <laughs> Going to add that to my business cards. There I you think. go. I'm a cancer rock star. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's so important because a lot of people don't want to talk about it. I mean, there's a lot of us who do, but on the same respect, a lot of people are kind of quiet and they'll go to the forums and they'll go to the <clears throat> excuse me they'll they'll go to the form, forums and they'll go to Dear Thyroid, but they won't get as active as you and I do. And I think you know, we are trying to speak for them. Right. And, you know, I totally understand where people are coming from who, who don't want to speak out. Oh, yeah. Um, because it's really hard to to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some people, both on Cancer Connect and Dear Thyroid, they feel more comfortable um, commenting anonymously. Yes. So, you know, just with the, with the make up a username that has... You know, no identification. Thyroid Johnny or something, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and and I've done that before too. And it is easier to hide behind a screen name sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like I am speaking on on behalf of all thyroid cancer survivors, and I feel like it's a privilege and a responsibility because I know the struggle that I went through when I was first diagnosed, taking in all of the overwhelming issues with the physical issues, Mm -hmm. the social, the mental, the emotional. um, And I don't want anybody else to have to do that alone. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Now, do you have a a scar from your thyroid? Because I don't know if people know the thyroid is in the neck. Right. It's at the base of the neck. Mm -hmm. um, And I do have a scar, but I'm pretty much the only one who notices it now. Um, My surgeon was awesome. (laughs) <laughs> and he did such a good job, and it healed really nicely. Um, at first, though, it was really noticeable. And for the first several months, it was uh, had a bright red scar at the base of my neck. But oh. now it's faded nicely. Oh, that's good, because that, that has to be one of the issues that people deal with if they don't have a good surgeon like you to have a, you know, show the physical scar as as well as deal with the mental aspects as well. Right. I think a lot of um, patients like to cover it up mm-hmm. with a scarf or a necklace or something. But that's never been an issue that's bothered me oh, okay. um, because I kind of feel like it's it's my battle wound. You know, I, <laughs> exactly. I wear my scar proudly. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anything else uh, coming up in the future? Anything in the works? 
Or you can't talk about it. Advocacy wise. Mm -hmm. Um, Nothing big planned. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we always have stuff in the pipeline with deer thyroid, um, but nothing huge that that's coming up right now. Okay. Um, You guys are just kind of keep doing the same old thing, which (laughs) is important on an everyday basis, you know, talking to survivors and connecting with them. So um, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do so? They can find me on Facebook, mm-hmm. um, on Twitter, or through Dear Thyroid. My, anybody can email me at um, joanna at dearthyroid.org. Um, and my Facebook, uh, it's facebook.com slash joanna.isbull. And I'm pretty sure I'm the only Joanna Isbull <laughs> on Facebook, so... I should be easy to find. What is this Facebook you talk about? I haven't, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a new thing. I'm not really sure. <laughs> they just made a movie about it, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, the social network. I think so. I think I've heard something about that. <laughs> well, Joanna, this has been informative. Like I said, you are the first uh, thyroid cancer survivor that I've had on and and as a uh, cancer advocate, I like to have as many different uh, cancer patients cancer types on because I think it's important that people realize that it's not just you know everybody knows about breast cancer everybody knows about prostate cancer I don't want to you know just pigeonhole those two but there's a lot more cancers out there that we don't know about and that need research and that need funding and we need to find a cure if my god if we could only find a cure for one cancer in our lifetime wouldn't that be amazing it would be so amazing Uh, and yeah you're right we do need to we need to shine a light on all kinds of cancers. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say I kind of live by the um, philosophy that we, everybody knows about cancer. Mm -hmm. We don't need awareness for the (laughs) existence of cancer, you know, (laughs) but we do need awareness for what it does to people. Exactly. You know, how, how it affects people's lives. And, you know, there are rare types of cancer that really do need awareness. People don't know you can, some people say, oh, I didn't know you could get thyroid cancer. Well, yeah, you can get cancer pretty much anywhere in your body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, awareness. When they have the, especially the World Cancer Day, raising awareness for cancer. It's like, well, who isn't aware there's cancer? Exactly. Do we, you know, do we need a whole day about, for in the world? Uh, <laughs> How about World sure Cancer? Is, <laughs> right. I, I think we could, you know, use that day to raise awareness for what survivors actually deal with. Exactly. We need to start a movement, girl. That's what I'm saying. I think we should. <laughs> world, I know. I think I, we should. World <laughs> Cancer Awareness Day that just cracks me up. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me, Joanna. I'm going to wrap up like I usually do. This is The Cancer Warrior. You can always find me on Facebook, as you know, because I am a Facebook junkie, Mel Majoros. Become a fan. Become a fan of the show, The Cancer Warrior, on EmpowerRadio.com. On Facebook, check out my website, TheCancerWarrior.net. And, as always, life looks pretty good from where I'm sitting. Sending you good vibes. It's The Cancer Warrior on EmpowerRadio.com.